Okay, so we are carrying on from Julian's excellent talk last week, uh, looking uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. So we've got up to this um, bit. Um, <laughs> sorry, bit is the technical term, obviously. Um, <clears throat> we go up to the verses. So it's Matthew chapter 7, and it's verses 21 to 23. So I'm going to read those to us, and then unpack it so jesus said this not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven many will say to me on that day lord lord did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So first of all, I just want us to think about the kingdom of heaven. We can think about um, or tend to think of of the kingdom of heaven as only the place to go when the faithful in Jesus die on this earth. Now, Matthew talks about the kingdom of heaven. The other gospels talk about the kingdom of God, interchangeable phrases. Now, if you, as, as if you look into Matthew's gospel, he does say this about the kingdom of heaven. He says the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is near. It's come near. He says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Jesus also said elsewhere in Matthew's gospel, if, if by the spirit of God I cast out demons, then the kingdom the kingdom has come upon you. So the implication being that Jesus's deliverance of evil, Jesus' um, healings in other places, the miraculous stuff demonstrates his kingly authority. Jesus also said in Luke's gospel, uh, 1721, he said that the kingdom of God is in your midst. The kingdom is here in the presence of King Jesus. So Jesus is saying, when I'm here, the kingdom is with you. The king is here. So the kingdom of heaven is the realm where God reigns as king and the fulfillment of God's will on earth is done. Okay. So God, Jesus is reigning as king and the fulfillment of God's will is done on earth. Basically, God is king in it. He's in authority, he's in control, his will is being done. His command is being obeyed. Good news, and that's what we, we pray for. Your kingdom come and your will be done. 
So the kingdom of heaven is not only a future hope for us to enter into um, by faith in Jesus when we die, but it's a present reality for us to enter into now, today, to be uh, around and to have. So the kingdom of heaven, the presence, the rule and the reign of King Jesus. Okay, so how do we enter? How do we enter uh, the kingdom of heaven? Well, Jesus says in the passage we read that it's, it's not it's not with words or not just with words it's not just with lord lord but he says but with obedient faith obedient faith so how do we enter the kingdom by obedient faith john chapter 6 29 says this or jesus said the work of god is this to believe in the one he sent so jesus saying believe in me believe in me in the greek there is the believe and receive in me that's the work of god that's the will of god so therefore you're you're entering the kingdom by obedient faith by believing in jesus and in in john's gospel in chapter three um uh, uh what is it read uh, verses one to six you get the account of uh, the Pharisee Nicodemus coming to Jesus and them having a conversation. And in that conversation, Jesus says, no one can see the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven unless they are born again, unless they're born by the spirit. And um, so Jesus is saying, you must be born again. So how, how do we enter? The kingdom of God, well, it's with obedient faith. It's with believing and receiving Jesus. It's being born again by the spirit. So there's belief, there's faith, there's spiritual rebirth. And then there's doing the will of the father. Or another way of saying that is obeying the commands of Jesus. Because Jesus says, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. So there's something about faithful obedience that helps us enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, if doing the father's will is, is vital, uh, crucial for us to enter the kingdom of heaven, what is the father's will? Now, I think we've been, um, looking at the sermon on the mount so i just need to let someone in some host um in looking at the sermon on the mount we find that jesus tells us what his will is for his true disciples so if you want to follow me here's my kingdom manifesto here's what i'm saying uh, to you and and i've just gone through um the, the Sermon on the Mount. I've just looked at so much, so I've made myself a list. I probably have missed things out, so please do go over it again, read through the Sermon on the Mount again, consider it again. It's not something that we've we've done, but it's something that we do. We're doing it, and so here we go. What is Jesus saying is the will of God the Father for us. 
Well, first he's saying, look, I want you to have a godly influence on the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. So let your light shine. My will is for you to practice and teach the commandments of God. I, I want you, my will is, I want you to deal with anger well. I want you to resolve conflict well. I want you to be faithful and true, committed to your wife, committed to your husband. I want you to be full of integrity. I want you to speak honestly to one another truthfully that people will be able to take you at your word because they know your history and your character. I want you to act generously. I want you to act in loving ways, even towards your enemies. I want you to pray for those who persecute you. Bless them, don't curse them. I want you to give to the poor and needy. I want you to fast. I want you to pray. This is God's will for us. And he, the caveat there is I want you to do it in secret i want you to do it um, for the audience of one where there is a reward from your father who sees what he's done in secret jesus um he warns be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of other people to be seen by them if you do that's your reward you'll get no reward from your father in heaven and so god wants to reward us and he rewards us in the secret place and and i really believe that one of the major rewards that we gain is god himself we're we are we as we're obedient we and doing god's will we enter into the kingdom where his presence is where his rule and reign is and we meet with him and we know him. What an amazing gift and reward that is. Jesus goes on in the sermon, my will is I want you to forgive. I don't want you to worry, I want you to trust. I don't want you to be caught up in the world's things. I want you to seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the rule, the reign, the righteousness, uh, the priority of God in your life. My will is that you are not judgmental, that you're not critical, condemning others by standing in the place of the one true judge. I want you to ask, I want you to seek, I want you to knock, and I want you to keep on asking and seeking and knocking because it's relationship. And when you are obedient in your relationship with me, you will receive the good gifts. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You will receive the good gifts that the Father's got for you. Jesus is saying, my will is that you would do to others what you want them to do for you. If we just paused on that and meditated on that, that we, we tried to spend a lot of our lives doing to others what we would want them to do to do, 
do to them? That would be bringing in the kingdom of God. Jesus saying is my will is that you would go through the narrow and small gate and choose life. I want you to choose well those who influence you. Now, as, as Matthew's gospel account uh, continues on, speaking about the life of, of Jesus, we find that Jesus tells us more things about God's will. He wants us to show mercy. He wants us to speak the word of God, the word that God gives to us, even in the most difficult uh, of circumstances. Don't worry, God will give you what to say, just say it. Jesus' will is that we care for the little ones, that we seek and we save the lost, that we, again, that we resolve conflict well and forgive others, that we practice justice and mercy and faith. God's will is that we would feed the hungry to give drink to the thirsty, to welcome the stranger, to clothe the naked, to visit the prisoner. You know, just, just in Matthew's Gospel, there is so much to consider there about the will of God for us and, uh, and the command of Jesus uh, to us. And, and it says at the end of Matthew's Gospel, and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Our Lord is saying, teach, teach others to obey the things I've commanded you. And now I've just whizzed through a list of, of commands and the will of, of Jesus for us. Um, and he wants us to be walking in faithful obedience to him. That we would be the church of Jesus Christ, that we would be true disciples of Jesus, that we would be the agents of the kingdom of, of God. But I want us to explore the question, I guess, but are we true or are we false disciples? And Jesus, back to Pastor Red, Matthew 7, verse 22, Jesus says, many will say to me on that day. And that day is talking about the day of judgment. It's talking about the time when Jesus, at the end of time, Jesus will return and judge all, judge all. And um, if you want to go into um, Matthew 25 and read that um, later, it talks about the sheep and the goats and that Jesus in his judgment is dividing up um, people as sheep and goats, those that are uh, true disciples of Jesus, those that are false. And, and it seems that a big measure of his judgment is what they actually uh, did. And so in Matthew 25 and verse um get there verse 40 in that in it says the king will reply i tell you the truth whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine you did for me you did for me whatever you did not do for one of the least of these verse 46 you did not do for me 
And so there's a righteous judgment of what of how we've related to Jesus and seen Jesus in other people and what we have and haven't done for them. Now, these people who on the day of judgment, they'll they'll meet with Jesus and he's saying this, he's going, there will be those many, many will say to me on the day of judgment, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons in your name in your name didn't we perform many miracles my, my brain is just like going wow supernatural ministry amazing things going on fantastic things prophesying speaking out the very word of god uh, driving out demons setting captives free performing very very many miracles isn't this what we desire and what we want and what we see Jesus doing? And God is a miracle working God. God, the Holy Spirit, gives gifts to us. And through, you know, through God's will and desire, he gives us gifts so that we can prophesy, that we can drive out demons, that we can perform many miracles. You know, God's sovereign will is that if God wants something done, he can use who he wants to get his will done okay and, and, I, and it just made me think of um in numbers uh, 22 it tells the story of um, balaam's donkey and um basically god balaam ends up having a conversation with his donkey because god um the lord god opens the donkey's mouth and she says to to balaam what have i done to make you beat me all these three times and then they have a conversation now if god can speak through the mouth of a donkey he can use anyone and i want to say he can use them whether they're submitted to his will or not if god in his sovereign will wants to use someone he will because he's god and that's that but he is is saying look many will come to me on that day the day of judgment and they'll say lord didn't we do this in your name didn't we do do this now we've got to ask the question where is the source of power coming from because it's not only god who can do miracles there are so many miracles recorded in the in the bible but was it god at work in this situation was it actually a demonstration of the kingdom of heaven on the earth or was it something else see satan the devil can do false miracles he can do false signs and wonders you know thinking back into exodus chapter seven and eight uh, moses and aaron again to see pharaoh and um, basically god says use the staff um, Aaron's staff it becomes a snake well Pharaoh's wise men and magicians they can make snakes as well when um, Moses in God bringing the ten plagues onto Egypt um, I think it's the first three of them that the the wise men and the magicians of Egypt could perform the same signs um, as as Moses signed until they came to a place where they said do you know what we can't do the, this one. This is the finger of God at work. 
So there's other powers, like Jesus himself says in Matthew 24, 24, for false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive. Like Satan is a deceiver. There are powers at work to deceive people, even those that are utterly committed to God. So we've got to be careful. When Paul writes to the church in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 13, says, for such people are false apostles. They're deceitful workers. They're masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It's not surprising then that if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness, their end will be what their actions deserve. We've, we need to remember, some people are looking serious, it is serious stuff, that God is the judge. 2 Thessalonians 9, uh, sorry, 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 to 10, says that the coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays and power, counterfeit miracles, signs and wonders that, that serve the lie and all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Jesus himself was accused of working by the power of the devil. The Pharisees said to Jesus, he can cast out demons because he's basically empowered by the prince of demons. So there's, there's stuff going on. We need great discernment as to what is really going on. We need wisdom from God. Thankfully, he says in James, whoever of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives to all without finding fault. So that's that's good. God help us and God does help us. Now, these people, the many people that come to Jesus, many on that day of judgment will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we drive out demons in your name? Didn't we perform miracles in your name? And then he says this shocking. I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. What? Wow. What we've got to remember is this, is that Jesus knows all and sees all. He knows every thought in our minds, every attitude of the heart. He is making the right judgment because he's Jesus. They prophesied, they delivered people from evil, they did miracles. But Jesus is saying, I did not know you. I never knew you. I don't know you. Now, in the Bible, when a person, when it talks about knowing a person, it implies relationship, not mere knowledge, not knowing about someone, but knowing someone. And in some cases, it implies sexual relationship. So that in Genesis, when it says when Adam knew Eve, his wife, she conceived and gave birth to a son, gave birth to Cain. So they were knowing each other. In other cases, it's speaking of the relationship between um, God and people. You know, 
in um, Deuteronomy, it's, it speaks of, of Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. So God knew Moses. Like Moses did amazing miracles. Moses messed up as well. But God knew him. And, and Jesus, in saying, I never knew you, he's saying, look, there is no relationship. There's nothing relational that exists between him and the person that he was judging. And in his judgment, he's saying, not only don't I know you, but what you were doing is evil. Depart from me. It reminds me when Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, when he speaks to Peter. Get, get, get away from me. Now, what you're doing is evil. We've got to remember that Jesus is making the right judgment because he's Jesus. And the Greek word translated as evil in the NIV, it speaks of um, a violation of the law. Um, or in other words, it's speaking of a rejection of the will and the command of Jesus. I, I never knew you. I don't know you. What you're doing is evil. So basically, even though you were doing these things that look really good, really powerful, really amazing, I'm making the judgment that they're not good. You're, they're not, you're not doing what I asked you and commanded you to do. James 4, 12 says that there is only one law giver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy, and it's Jesus. So thinking about that, they were doing things in the name of Jesus. And I just want to say, well, look, the things that people do in the name of God and name of Jesus, it might look good to other people. It might look right to other people. In people's judgment, they might be going great. But what is Jesus saying? What is Jesus's judgment? Other people's opinions and judgment, let's be honest, they don't really matter compared to the opinion of, and judgment of Jesus. His judgment trumps everything. And in, um, in Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah says this, that all of us have become like those who are unclean. Isaiah 64, 6. And all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Our righteous acts are like filthy rags. What Jesus was basically saying, I think, to these people is, your, what you were doing, your righteous acts, they were wrong they were wrong so <clears throat> the fact is this that jesus wants us to be known by him he wants us to be known by him he wants to know us that's mind-blowing isn't it god wants to know us and he wants us to be fulfilling god's will on earth and he wants us to be obeying his command. And so the challenging questions of this are, are we, are we about our business 
are we doing what we want in the name of Jesus or are we actually about our father's business and doing what he wants in in James's letter in chapter 4 verse 13 it says this now listen listen to this you who say tomorrow or today or tomorrow we will emphasis we will go to that this city or that city spend a year there carry on business and make money and james is is coming against them and saying look listen you who say tomorrow or, or today or tomorrow we will now he's not coming against i don't think doing things he's not coming against business he's not coming against making money what he's coming against is that self will the sin of arrogance the sin of presumption you haven't asked god you're not inquiring of the lord you're just saying i'm going to do this and i'm going to do that and so for the true disciple of jesus it's got to be about relationship if jesus is our rabbi our teacher our master we need to relate to him a true um, a true disciple is a learner and a follower of their teacher jesus so we're to be those that as disciples to sit at the feet of jesus and listen to watch jesus in the scriptures but also by the spirit what are you doing jesus what what father what is the will of the father so we need to watch him and listen to him so that we do what we see and say and do what we hear master is this what you want me to do a true disciple is willing to do what the father wants just like jesus did in john 5 verse 19 um, jesus says very truly i say to you the son can do nothing by himself he can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does the son also does and then a bit later on john 5 verse 30 jesus says by myself i can do nothing by myself i can do nothing says jesus i judge only as i hear and my judgment is just for i seek not to please myself but him who sent me i seek not to please myself but him who sent me jesus was relationship with the father dependent that's how he lived his life on earth he obeyed the command of his father he did not seek to please himself but the one who sent him so you know we, we find in, in in the gospels that jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray so a true disciple is in submission to father god's will just like jesus was when we think of the garden of gethsemane jesus is facing um death well he's facing a lot more than just dying isn't he we know 
that he's going to be treated cruelly and painfully. And he says in relationship to his father in prayer, Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. In other words, I don't want to go through this if I've got, if it's up to me, but not as I will, but your will be done. Your will be done. And but he does it out of relationship with his father. He chooses the sovereign will of his father over his own, at that moment, human weak. Oh, I just don't want to go through this. You know, I think it's very, very easy for us um, to busy ourselves doing the work of God without stopping to reflect on whether we are actually obeying Jesus or whether we're actually just doing what we want in his name. And therefore, if we are doing what we want in his name, we're actually missing out on entering into the kingdom of God. And um, and as I've been thinking about this, as as I've been thinking that the kingdom of God isn't just, or the kingdom of heaven isn't just a destiny to go uh, by believing in Jesus when we die, but it's a present reality. I'm sort of wondering, a bit, bit like the, the narrow gate, can I come in and out of the kingdom of God? Can I be in the presence and the will of God one moment and the next be out of it? Is it that he so wants me to be tender hearted to him and inclining my ear towards him that i'm in constant relationship and community communion with him that i'm that i'm more and more in his will and in the kingdom of god that i'm continually as it were entering into the kingdom of god so it might be that we are being willful and what i mean by that is my will be done or our will be done rather than God's will be done. Rather than having a submitted will to the king in relation to him and saying, okay, Lord, whatever you want, I will do this, whatever. Is it that I sometimes take it back and I'm not going, no, I want to do this. It's my will be done. And so I think, I think that, um, so check it out yourselves. I think there's a sovereign will of God that there are things that God is just going to get done because there is sovereign will. Like, son, you are going to go to that cross. It, well, I've got a plan for humanity. It's a big thing, boy. We need to do this. And is it that Jesus has given us commands to do? He's revealed his will to us to do. But then it's almost like we've got a choice. We can do it or not. We'll live with the consequences of it, but it doesn't ruin the overarching will of God. We will miss out. We will miss out from entering into the kingdom at that time. Other people will miss out, but the overarching will of God will be done. So is it possible for us to do great things in Jesus name while actually neglecting Jesus? I think the answer is yes. You know, there's an old saying, don't get so caught up in the work of the Lord that you forget the Lord of the work. God desires relationship with us. Jesus wants to know us. I personally don't want him to say of me, 
I never knew you. I was like, so there's that. Let's allow the Lord to look into us. So that word intimacy in permission, God, into me, see. I make myself open to you, vulnerable to you. Know me, Lord, know me. And help me to resist the urge to cover up and hide when I hear you, like Adam and Eve did when they were in their sin, the big cover up and hide up happens. Do we do that because we're aware of our guilt and shame when really in open honesty, we can come before him and he's all right. He'll work. We can know we can be forgiven. So a false disciple does what they want for the father in Jesus name. A false disciple is actually self-serving, looking for their reward from other people to be seen by them rather than wanting just the reward of the father which is that relationship plus and that is what the pharisees and the teachers of the law did and that's why jesus is saying you've heard that it was said but i'm saying this to you don't be like them be like what i'm saying you know another part of the commandment of god is to love and paul in 1 corinthians 13 first three verses says like if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is at the heart of of fulfilling the will of god love is at the heart of the fulfilling the command of god because it's a love relationship that he wants with us the cross of jesus is all about god's desire for a reconciling healing loving relationship with his creation and with with his creation stretching out to the rest of his creation that a healing whole work can be done and so loving God, loving others, loving ourselves is, is a command, isn't it? And, you know, God wants us to be faithful. He's not calling us, I don't believe, to be successful. He's not calling us to be perfect in that sense. God's not going to be amazed at our success or what our achievements. And he's not going to be shocked at our failure, right? I believe that what Father wants to say, what is in his heart to say is, well done, good and faithful servant. I, I, that's in his heart. That's what he wants to say to us. And so I want us to know in, this is challenging stuff to live in obedient to our king, but knowing that we can ask for mercy and forgiveness. So I just want to, um, won't be too much longer, just want to read the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Luke 18, 9 to 14. Jesus said this to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even this tax collector. 
I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, says Jesus, this man, rather than the other one, went home justified before God. For who, for all those who exhort themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. You know, there's nothing wrong with fasting twice a week. There's nothing wrong with giving a tenth. But there is something wrong with a stinking, self-sufficient, righteous attitude. God wants us to know him and he wants to know us, warts and all. So we can come to him with honesty and 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 humility. So to bring more hope to us, I do not believe that doing the father's will is an impossible standard. I believe that we can do it. And the reason I believe that so strongly is because otherwise he wouldn't ask us to do it. I don't believe he set us up for failure. I believe he set us up to grow and develop and to become and be more, more and more the people he's made us to be, just like Jesus, mature. And so it's not impossible for us to obey the commands or the will of Jesus because his grace is sufficient. His empowering presence enables us, it strengthens us and gives us all we need to fulfill the challenge of God. So let us be challenged. Let's be challenged by this message. Let's not just like go, oh no, and push it away. Let's be challenged by it because the kingdom of heaven is made up of those people who believe in Jesus, are born again by the Spirit of God, and submit themselves to God's rule by having a relationship with Him and living in the Holy Spirit's empowerment in order to fulfill God's will and Jesus' earth here on earth. And that is entering in to the kingdom of heaven. Amen.